We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talk About Flow Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in, whether it's on the audio side, Spotify, Apple, all that stuff, or on the video side via YouTube. This is Casual Friday. I am <laughs> I'm excited to say Casual Friday because it's been a minute since we've had a Casual Friday episode on here. Which, of course, means, once again, I am joined by my good friend, my buddy, Joe Yurden. What's up, buddy? What's how going you, on? How are, how are things right now? How are you doing? Uh, well, you know, I'm... All things considered, I'm, I'm of course. doing, you know, like, that's that's about my that's about my steady answer right now. It's just like, yeah, just kind of going, you know, it's, it is, you know, you try to deal with stuff like that. It's tough. But, it is. Uh, I'm sure. but yeah, it's first time in like, uh, like, I don't know, more than a month where I feel like I'm like in a little bit of a better, a little bit better of a headspace. So, you know, it's uh time to, you know, I've been slowly getting back on the horse with, with doing this stuff. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. we've been doing, uh, maintenance day here for the last couple of weeks and that was good to get back to doing that. And, but that was about all I really had the, uh, the patience to do. So now I'm. Now I'm just kind of like, all right, been having some laughs, cutting some jokes lately. So a win for everybody. Time to get back and doing this, you know, in all seriousness, let let me just say one thing and then we'll dive in. We got, of course, Bill Sabres, our starting five. Um, I I just want to say this. I hope through this whole process, which has been obviously a a horrible, shitty process Mm -hmm. for you. I, I just hope that, when something terrible happens and everybody who's listening and knows Joe, you already know. I just wanted to say that I think it's really cool at least to be able to take some comfort in just how many people, you know, whether it's reaching out to you directly or you're seeing tweets and stuff like that. Just know that you've been in people's thoughts. You know what I'm saying? When like when yeah. something really shitty happens, I just hope certainly here with me and with people who listen here, you know, just well wishes and stuff like that. It's uh. I feel like when you go through something bad, even if you don't realize it at the time, maybe when you have more time to reflect as things go on, you start to look back and you reflect and you're like, it's really comforting to know that you got friends and and strangers or just people Mm -hmm. who admire your work, who you are, what you do that are out there that that care about you. You know what I mean? That kind of helps lift you up a little bit. And I hope you kind of 
have felt that over the last several weeks. Cause I know I, I have felt that way. And I know lots of people have as well. Yeah. It's uh, going through something like this, you know, uh, you know, having the death of a parent, it's the kindness of others is something you really have to lean on, you know, cause you're, you're caught in your own head. You're, you know, you're, you're too busy being concerned with your own family and, and everything mm -hmm. else, you know, that, that goes along with that, that you just, you don't, there's a lot of times that you don't give time for yourself. So, um, so having other, you know, having others just be like, Hey, thinking about, you know, like they send a message, text, you know, texting, you know, DM, whatever it is. Uh, it's, it's, it's nice, you know, and people are always like, man, I really wish I could do something more for you. And I'm just like, listen, this is you talking to me right now is exactly what I needed. So, yeah. um, you know, when it comes to things like that, it's, I, you know, I'm such a classic, like, I don't know if it's like Catholic guilt, Catholic school guilt kind of person where it's like if anybody goes like above and beyond or even does even something like, you know, they bring like a dish for you to eat or something because they're like, they're like, listen, you got to eat. We know you're not thinking about eating. Just do that. Um, somebody does that. And it's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do anything of the sort. Please don't. And, you know, you just have to just understand that people people want to help and you have to be open to that. So, yeah. Um, so it's it it's a matter of just, you know, just being accepting of of others other people having concern for you so yeah it's a it's a big it's a you know everything about it is a is a huge unbelievable change but um but certainly having people reach out and you know in any way that they have is is really nice well i will say this too to your credit as an on-air talent as a podcast talent and i told you this a couple of weeks ago too when you started slowly getting back in and you did uh maintenance day the first pod you did and the second one as well i was mm -hmm. like and i told you this i was like all right so if i had just you know if i was sleeping under a rock and i had just woken up and i didn't know anything had happened and i missed the first three minutes of the first episode that you did with lance osowski the buffalo news of maintenance day when you when you jump back i, I would have never known mm -hmm. i would have never known anything was going on man that's a credit to you i'm just saying you know you were able to compartmentalize that when when you did this show, I was like, "Damn, I would have never known, man." It was a, it was a yeah. good episode. It was. Well, thank thanks <laughs> thanks for saying that. Because um, <laughs> I'll tell you this: doing doing that one, um, we got done with it. You know, Lance and I chat after we, we chat for a little bit after we get done with it. Mm -hmm. We get done, and then you know, I put it out the next day. The ne you know, we I set it up to come out the next day because we always record on Sundays. Um, but when I was done with that one, I just, I, I needed a, I needed a little while to just kind of, you know, decompress sure. and just kind of not necessarily relax, but just kind of like let your head flush a little bit, you know, just, just trying to, just trying to get like, okay, did something normal again for the first time in a while. So, you know, that's that, that like, that's a, that's like a micro change of, of all that. Cause it's like, You've, you've had your mind stuck on something for, you know, weeks, days, weeks, months, years. And now you're just kind of like, all right, let's, let's ease back out into the world. Let's do, let's try to get some of the normal stuff back. And it's just like, like, that's a bit, that's a big change. Do it, you know, having that happening, you know, getting back to normal. Like, you don't understand, like people don't get like what a, what a huge change that is to like get back to normal. Oh, I'm messing with my chair here. Um, but uh, but like just getting back into like the old flow of things is is like wow, I'm doing this again, okay? Like, all right, it's just it's it's like you know, it's not like riding a bike, but it's 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 like going back outside after you know you've been you know you've been cooped up for a while, 
you know, yeah, like, yeah. And you're just kind of like, all right, is everything the same? Is everything anything different? Like what's, you know, how does this work? I want to, uh, thank also Chad D. Domenicis who, who subbed in for a couple of weeks over the last month or so. But it's funny. I, and I told him this and he got a good laugh. I said, yo, it's not casual Friday and I ain't doing no starting fives. I, said, I only do the drafts with my man, Joe, which by the way, I should have been more eager to do drafts with Chad or somebody else. Cause it probably would increase my chances of winning a little bit more than I have. But anyway, yeah, it's, it's good to have you back. And we'll, again, we'll talk bills and sabers. One of the things I love about doing casual Friday is that basically we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about beyond exactly. just bills and sabers. And one of the things that you and I have in common, that there's not a lot of sports media people that do, or at least people that I talk to on the show, is that we both have had, for the most part, a lifelong uh, fandom of professional wrestling. Mm -hmm. And this past weekend, of course, was WrestleMania. So I'd be remiss before we get into Bills and Sabres stuff if I didn't ask you your thoughts on WrestleMania weekend. It was a two-night event, of course. And just, mm -hmm. I don't know, wrestling lately in general, because I actually have a take but before i give you mine i, I want to hear yours like what did you think over this past weekend i uh i'll be honest with you i did i i mean i had other stuff going on where you know it was it was taking a back you know wrestling was taking a back seat to that sure um and you know wrestlemania for me in the past has always been like you got to sit down you got to watch like that's sure. even if you haven't been watching it for a long time or maybe never at all it's an event like that's it's a big deal um but I just, I, you know, even being out of tune with a lot of what's going on with WWE, I'm just like, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can turn, you can tune into WrestleMania and just be like, oh, okay, I'm caught up, you know, because they're always doing those, uh, you know, the, the, the video packages where it's like, okay, here's, let's sum up everything that's happened. Right. Now you're, now you're caught up. So sure. like, I, you know, you don't have to worry about that, but like everything about that, you know, WWE lately has just been like such a turnoff, like, cause so much of it is just, you know, it's like watching watching a show that you've always loved and the writing gets really bad, but you try to stick with it because you always have. And then at some point you're just kind of like, you know what? I'm just, you know, I, I got other stuff to do. And, you know, yeah. it's, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like the, uh, the Simpsons effect, you know, Simpsons for, you know, 10, 15 years was just like, wow, you know, it's mandatory TV. Like it's still going 15 years after that, you know, we're 30, 31 seasons into the Simpsons. And it's just kind of like, yeah, it's still going. That's cool. But like, I'm not making time on Sundays to watch it. Like, I'm just not right. Just not doing it. So like in the case of WrestleMania, it's two nights and each night is like five, six hours of, of, of stuff going on. And it's like, you know, like doing one night for five hours. That's cool. I mean, it's a long, it's a long night. You know, it's a lot of stuff going on, but I, I, two nights of it. And there's so much filler. There's so much filler with stuff. And it's like, come on already. The video now, packages, the promos were just oh, too yeah. much. It's just, you know, people time. yapping. They're just cramming yeah. stuff in there. But I did make time to make sure I saw Stone Cold Steve Austin's and, and Kevin Owens because I was convinced that Austin wasn't you know, like Austin wasn't gonna do any wrestling. And then he calls him out. He comes down the ramp and he's in his gear. And I'm like, Yeah, he's wrestling all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a 13 or 14 minute. Well, I'm using air quotes when I say match because yeah. it was more just a fight around the ring and outside. But yeah, mm -hmm. man, he, he delivered the goods. I think he just I think he just wanted to have like the last match that he ever does be at in home in, in Texas. In depth, which yeah, is in uh, I respect that. Like his first match ever was in right. Texas. So he wants to finish it in Texas. And granted, he hasn't 
he hadn't had a match in what 13 years, 14 years, 19, like 19, Jesus. 19 years, man. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, so 19, old, man. 19 years since his first or since his last match, which by the way, that was at WrestleMania in Seattle, which I, by the way, was at. I went to Seattle. You were at that one. I was at that one. Yep. Holy I went smokes. to three straight WrestleManias 18, 19, and 20. I went to Toronto for 18, Seattle for 19, and then New York City for 20. He lost to The oh, Rock yeah. in his last match. It was 19 years ago. The I'm Toronto, with- the Toronto WrestleMania was I had I was wrapping oh. up college that year. And I had, you know, uh, our college station, we had a radio, there was a radio show on our on our station that was a wrestling radio show. It was it was essentially the college version of like Howard Stern, but with wrestling, with wrestling yeah. stuff going on. And like all the guys from that show went to Toronto because you know us. We go to Toronto, like no big, it's no big deal. Like you're driving to Buffalo, then you're driving up here. It's it's no big, no big thing. And like you know, we, we weren't watching it on campus. We didn't have pay per views, you know, accessibility in the in the dorms. Like that mm-hmm. just wasn't happening. But um, but when I had heard what happened, I was like, holy crap! <laughs> and like the you know, like how everything went down with that with that Hogan Rock match and everything. You know, he's and my friends were just like, you would not believe how loud it was. And it like, was crazy how everybody was like rooting for Hogan because you know, like everybody's you know because he was, you know, it's Hogan. You know, you know this before all the you know the, the insane nonsense that's that's happened with his life since then, but. Uh, and all it, the really it, bad it, stuff. It, here, it wasn't but. supposed to be like that. It no. was just shocking. I'll never forget sitting in the stands and because I, I was a big rock fan and mm-hmm. I was Team Rock. And it's like, holy shit, man, everybody in this arena just started rooting for Hogan. And it yeah. was just uh electric. To your point, and I agree about wrestling in general. And you and I have talked about this, man. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, so I, I've liked wrestling my whole life. Over the last two years, I've been really turned off, especially by WWE. Like I've started yeah. to watch AEW more mm-hmm. and more, and I really enjoy that. WWE has been a big turnoff for me. I, for the first time over the last two years, like right around COVID time, I stopped watching it weekly. I used to always watch it weekly or at worst I would DVR it and then go back and watch it. Mm -hmm. Now for the last couple of years, I I skipped 90% of those, the shows, maybe even more than that. And I go back like the next day on cage side seats and I read the recaps just so I can always keep up on what's going on without actually having to watch it. (laughs) But I kind of got into it over the last couple of weeks. And I'm going to be honest with you, Joe, WrestleMania weekend this past weekend, I really liked it, especially Saturday. I thought they were, I thought it was good, man. I thought Bianca Belair and, and Becky Lynch, that was an awesome match, man. That yeah. might be a match of the year candidate. I thought that was really good. Plus, I didn't know who was going to win, which is rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all knew Cody Rhodes was coming back, but him and Seth Rollins, they delivered. That was a good match. Logan Paul was way better than I thought. Yeah. Uh, there were lots of good matches. And then even on Sunday, like, uh, I enjoyed the Johnny Knoxville, Sami Zayn match. I thought it was actually mm-hmm. fun. I took it for what it was. You mentioned Stone Cold. That was fucking awesome. <laughs> and that he actually had a match. And it was mm-hmm. it was a kind of sort of typical. I mean, he was limping around pretty good. But you still saw some glimpses of the old Stone Cold. Pat McAfee and Austin Theory was the match on the night on Sunday for sure. Which, again, kind of surprised me. There were a couple shitty matches. I The, the Kofi Kingston-Xavier Woods squash match was bullshit. And mm. and Charlotte and Ronda, that just didn't deliver. They don't have any chemistry, and that's kind of obvious. And the, the yeah. main event was what you expected it to be. Uh, but anyway, I liked wrestling. And then I started saying to myself, man, this, I missed this. You know, I was <laughs> yeah. reminded of why I loved wrestling so much. Mm-hmm. But the very next night, Monday Night Raw, for the first time in probably a year, maybe longer, I was actually woke up Monday and kind of moved things around my schedule so that I could watch Raw live. I was excited. I'm like cool shit sucked it was corny it was stupid yep. 
Usually mm-hmm. the Raw after WrestleMania is awesome. There were no yep. like really great debuts. There were no shockers, no surprises, mm-hmm. no new angles that got progressed forward. It's just the same old shit. And then I was reminded, and it seemed like why I stopped becoming such a fan over the last couple of years, man. Yeah. But uh yeah, and then I watch AEW. I watched uh FTR and uh was it was it the, the, the brothers? What's their names? Uh, oh, uh, Young Bucks. Young Bucks. Oh, God. Yeah. How, I forget oh, how do you forget the Young Bucks? I watched man. it just last night. We're taping this Thursday uh, afternoon. Mm-hmm. A fucking incredible match. Yeah. So wrestling's still good. It's just WWE, man. They just disappoint me. You put on a great show, a great product over the weekend. I thought anyway they deliver, and then they just bounce right back to the same old bullshit. Yeah. WWE's become yeah. like a like a sideshow Bob thing. They're just there's rakes all over the ground, and they're making day. I'm sure they're going to step on every <laughs> single one of them. And just you know, every time they're just surprised they stepped on a rake. They're so how, how did this happen? I don't yeah. I don't understand. Like I don't get why this is going on. But you know, I got a thousand theories as to why it is the way it is, and most of them all end up end up being well, it's because Vince is still running the show, and you know, Vince really embarrassed himself on Sunday night. When I saw with his running with Stone Cold because Vince came out looked like he was jacked up on gorilla hormone and um you know he's 80 years old taking stunners like just dude enough already like he's dying his hair he's doing like he's <laughs> pretending yeah. it's 1993 again and it's like man like those days are over man you shouldn't have been doing that when you were 50 never mind that you're 80 now like that's <laughs> like that's I don't I don't I mean I'll you know I I, I don't I don't get it. You know, good on him for creating like this whole thing that's that's made him extremely wealthy. But geez, stop eating! Like that's like what you know. It's you know it's weird. Like in 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 since Scott Hall passed and everybody talked about how Hall always sold the stunner in like the most amazing way. Yeah. And then you see Vince out there basically looking to get his head cut off. But <laughs> <laughs> also, old, you can't sell it because he's he's ancient, and it's like yeah, oh, that, God, that, that was hard to watch. To uh to Austin Theory and Pat McAfee's credit though they both they both um they sold the hell out of the stunner really mm-hmm. well. What an awesome! By the way, so we dropped this on Friday. We call it Casual Friday. We're taping this Thursday around lunchtime. And out of the corner of my eye right now, because what an awesome fucking sports day this is. You yeah. got round one of the Masters with Tiger Woods right now, mm-hmm. and you have uh also Major League Baseball opening day, which yeah, whatever I'm tempering <laughs> my enthusiasm for that a little. I'm still kind of mad at baseball, but anyway. Dude, all right, now we're taping. A lot could happen by the time you listen to this or watch this tomorrow. But as of right now, Tiger Woods is on the sixth hole. He's even par. And on the sixth tee, which is a par three, he came in less than three feet away from a hole in one right now. <laughs> so that, that I can't believe your man's playing 14 months after nearly yeah. losing his leg. If life was in danger. Yeah. And now this dude's even par through five holes, and he almost just got a hole in one on the, on the sixth. So, you just Forget made me, me look over it. Like I got another window with like my browser stuff open. I was like, what? Because as soon as you started saying that, I was like, oh, what, what did Tiger do? What happened? He, and then I, I see a, a screen cap of the shot right by the hole. He's been like, kind of okay. laboring around the first five holes, but he's managed to keep making pirates. He had a really nice par putt or uh, for a save for a par on, on one. Besides that, he's kind of like, you know, middle of the green. He's making pirates. He's not just special. You know, hitting the target, not really. Right, darts. right. But God damn, that's just. Uh, that's incredible. Anyway, all right, so let, let's um, jump into some Bills talk real quick here. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to say this. So we won't talk about the Stefan Diggs extension. It's good. It's good for him. No, it's it's good for Josh. Good. It's good for the offense. The money was kind of sort of what we thought it would be, especially after, yeah. uh, you know, Tyreek Hill and, and Devontae Adams end up going to other teams to get their money. And I'll say this. Uh, the one thing I will say, though, is 
the, the timing, I think it had to be done now. Like some people were like, you still got two years left. Let's wait mm -hmm. to after the season. Nope. And the reason why is because that next group that's coming up, you know, the Justin Jeffersons and lots of other receivers, they're going to get big money. Pay your guy now. And the Bills, to their credit, did that. There's always going to be fallout when something like that happens. And it appears we're starting to get a little bit of it right away with uh, Jordan Poyer. Jordan Poyer is a very, very good safety for the Bills. He has mm -hmm. been for five years. He was an all-pro this year for the first time in his career. Great player. Good asset to Buffalo. But literally, in, in the hours that followed from Stefan Diggs signing, um, it's announced that he hired Drew Rosenhaus is now his agent to represent him. And uh, he's he's got one more year left on his deal, one more year left. Uh, 10.76 million cap figure for this year. He turns 31 years old, though, Joe. This month, later this month, that's not young for a safety. Nope. He signed a two-year... Uh, $19.5 million extension just in 2020. I looked it up. Right now, currently, he's the 13th highest paid uh, safety in the NFL, average per year salary. And there's only one player among those other 12 who are older than him, and that's uh, Harrison Smith uh, of the Vikings, who is 31. So this looks like, again, when something good happens and guys are all getting paid, the other guys are going to be like, well, where's my money? It kind of feels like we're going through that right now with uh, Jordan Poyer. And we're going to talk draft in a minute, too, because this kind of ties into a draft line of thinking that I have. But um, maybe Buffalo's most polarizing Twitter figure, for good or better or worse, <laughs> Rachel Bush, you know who I'm talking about here. Yeah. She went on a uh, Twitter pay my man spree, mm -hmm. advocating for her man, retweeting what all everybody's saying about your man getting paid. Mm -hmm. One tweet got a lot of people's attention, and it uh, it got deleted. She deleted it. Um, it was a screenshot, but people screenshot it because, of course, this is Twitter. This is what she said. Jordan's been taking team-friendly deals. He's an all-pro. He has one year left on his contract. Diggs had two. She's using that direct comparison right now. Did you complain about that as well? You want a Super Bowl? Do what it takes to get there this year. Need them all. Let me get your thoughts first. Again, what's going on? It's become an obvious Jordan Poirier wants to get paid. Who doesn't want to get paid? I'm, I ain't mad right. about that. But this seems like this has the potential, at least, to get into an ugly situation. Because say what you will about Rachel Bush. But at the end of the day, she is the man's wife. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure her opinion has at least carry some weight with him. And it's kind of become an obvious that she's nice about Buffalo on the outside, but it's kind of like you get the sense that maybe she's not as fond of Buffalo as uh, you would like. <laughs> and I'm being nice here. Right? I'm trying to be nice. I don't really have a nice way to say it, but what are your thoughts on all this? It just has potential to, to kind of get a little bit ugly. I think, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that the possibility is definitely there. Um, uh, I'm one of the many thousands Rachel Bush has blocked on Twitter. I've never <laughs> enacted, I've never interacted with her once ever. I'm, I know I've said some things where it's just like, I was like, why does this keep happening? And I think that was enough to make her be like, whatever, get this talkie guy out of my mention, which I was full and full disclosure, never been in her mentions, but full disclosure, know. Joe, I am one of like the 600 something people that she actually follows on Twitter. So I'm not wow. blocked. I don't throw that out there, but it ain't about me. It's about you. I, I, I want <laughs> you're not because you're right. Every, she blocks everybody. She right. literally blocks everybody. But um, 
I, 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 you know, this is something where I get her point, you know, like the point is easy to make, like Jordan Poyer deserves to get, get to get a nice payday. Like mm -hmm. that's flat out. If she just says, Hey, listen, you know, he's an all pro, you know, forget the pro bowl nonsense. Who cares about that? But like, he's an all pro safety. Yeah. Pay the guy like, you know, he's making 10 million. I don't know how much of that, you know, 10 million cap hit anyways. I don't know how much of that is like really a team friendly deal. Like, you know, salary caps like 200 whatever million in the NFL, but um, I don't really know how how that compares with some of these other safeties. But like, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick's about to get really, he's about to really cash in yeah. with the Steelers, or he already has. I don't know, I don't know if he's waiting to get signed or or he's gonna, but like that dude's gonna get paid, paid. And Poyer's, you know, but Poyer's played on that level, but you know, Fitzpatrick's younger, so you know, I, I mean, I get it, but um. I, I have the feeling that if you know if they can't get things worked out, you know Rosenhaus, like listen, we all, everybody knows Drew, Drew Rosenhaus. He goes, he gets guys paid. It's like Scott Boris in in baseball. baseball. You know, mm -hmm. it's it's you know you go to him, you're looking to get, you're looking to cash in, which you deserve. You know, he and he deserves to. Um, but you're right. Like if if it ain't in Buffalo, she's gonna she's gonna be driving the the moving truck out of here. You know giving everybody the finger you know like that's like that's she's gonna be like so long stink town and like take off like that's that's how she'll feel about buffalo but yeah and the uh, shit, she, her twitter might get a become a much uglier place her twitter yeah. space if well, especially, if, especially, especially if he signs else. in like new england or miami or someplace miami like that. yeah oh we could see it mentioned big florida fans so you're right 100 100 the problem with jordan Poyer, joe i think is this i don't think there's a lack of a preach there's certainly first of all there's no lack of appreciation from the fans. They no. love Jordan Poyer. And I don't think there's any lack of appreciation from the front office either. I mean, the guy did get paid two years ago. He signed a two-year extension two years ago in 2020. The problem is you just, you can't pay everybody. It's just right. the way it works in sports right now. I mean, they just paid Stephon. They gave Josh Allen a monster deal. They just emptied the vault for Vaughn Miller. They signed a shitload of free agents or trying to win a Super Bowl right now. We're going to find out how important winning a Super Bowl really is to a player like Jordan Poyer. Does that come, number one, before you, his his personal contract? Because, mm -hmm. again, you go into the offseason, you got Jordan Poyer. You got Dawson Knox. You got Devin Singletary. Ed Oliver is going to be coming up on his option year. You got a big decision potentially to make on Tremaine Edmonds, who's in his fifth-year option right now. Do you move on from him or not? So there's a lot of guys out there worthy of getting paid. And by the way, Dawson Knox is not just a throw-in name. These tight ends no. are getting eight to ten million right now. And based on how he played last year, if he continues to improve on that, that's a 10, 10 million plus Absolutely. tight end. If not in Buffalo, somewhere else, maybe they franchise tag, and we'll see how that plays out. But you can't pay everybody. He is going to be thirty-one years old, and I think the way there this will work out with him is you play the year out. And then, well, this is the Bills' perspective. What I think they want to do is have them play it out and then mm -hmm. see if they can find a deal that works for both sides after the season. I don't think they're going to give him big money right now. I could be wrong, but I don't think they're going to. And I think the problem lies is that he wants money right now. Now, the worst-case scenario, and I don't know if you're worried about this at all. Well, you're not worried about it because you're not really a Bills fan. <laughs> we talked about that many no times. No skin off my nose. No skin <laughs> off your <laughs> But do you do you fit? Do you? I don't want to say fear. Do you think there's a chance that this could get to the point where Jordan says, Give, "I want a new contract" or "I'm holding out"? I would say no, 100. percent But Drew Rosenhaus, being his agent right now, concerns me a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that that would be the the smartest play to do. Right, that. I agree. Um, 
I, I think that's on a team that can win the Super Bowl. I, I think that's a really bad idea because, you know, not, you know, I, I think about like all the stuff that happened with Beasley this past season and how, you know, that was a very obvious distraction, even though people tried to be like, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's, we, we know like something like this would definitely fall into that category of, all right, man, I thought we were a team here. Like just, mm-hmm. you know, like, listen, we know you're, you want to get an extension. You want to get paid. We get that. But like, keep that stuff out of, you know, out of everybody's attention. You know, don't, you know, I know, I know Poyer doesn't really say a lot, you know, on social media when it comes to that stuff. But like, you think you're going to keep Rachel Bush quiet on this stuff? No way. No way. And she's going to be beating the drum, you know, all year. But I mean, I, I think there's another, I think there's another pressing part to it. And from Poyer's point of view, though, is that if he shows any sort of, you know, showing that you know he's getting older this season then it's like all right man well you're not we're not paying you what you think you you should get and if you think you're going to get it elsewhere okay you know good luck to you but you know i i I certainly understand why he wants to get that bag right now you know get it locked up so that way if you know if things do start to you know come down you know contracts in the nfl get get wiped out you know very quickly anyways but like you got to make sure you, you get it taken care of. I mean, any sort of freaky stuff could happen this year. I mean, get your you know get your knees taken out, boom, career over. Or you know you're not going to be anywhere near the same kind of player. You know, any kind of weird stuff can happen. Uh, so I get like trying to press for that, but holding out, I don't I don't see that being a very productive way to do it. But I mean, listen, if you feel like you're pressed into doing something, like you feel like you got to make that move. These kinds of things can happen. Now, I don't think it will, um, but I mean, if it did, I wouldn't be entirely shocked. And honestly, the Bills would be pretty under the gun to do it because you know you lose Levi Wallace. You know you've lost some parts to your secondary. You don't know how Trey White's going to come back from from his injury. You know the secondary is a strength. It's a huge strength for them, but it's got some cracks now. So. Sure. You know, if you're Poyer, you could use it as a power play and flex on it. But I don't I don't know how many. Well, you're certainly not going to make anybody in the front office or the coaching staff very happy with it. But, you know, because players understand you got to get the bag. But um, but I think that, you know, they understand that to a certain point. Like if you start if you if it causes you to miss games or miss practices and and it makes your game suffer, then like guys ain't going to be happy. I'm generally very pro player when it comes to to financial stuff. I, I think these guys should go get the money while they can, especially in football, because unlike other sports, where in other sports, you put your name on that contract, you're getting every single penny. Mm-hmm. In football, you know this. is it, it, That's not the case. If you right. underperform whatsoever, you're cut. Sometimes you perform up to your standards or even more, you still get cut because the team has salary cap issues and they want to cut you so that they can afford to go out and sign somebody else and give them your money. So generally speaking, I am kind of pro player when it comes to money. But that said, they they did sign him as a free agent and they gave him more money than any other team in the league was going to back in 2017. They did reward him with a very generous two-year extension two years ago that made him among the top dozen or so paid safeties in the NFL. It's kind of been one of those, it's worked for us and it's worked for you deals. And again, this team, the culture is all about winning the Super Bowl. And this and that, I, I don't think he's going to hold on. I'm just saying, I, I wouldn't completely write that off. But I'll tell you what. Here's what I want to do. I want to take a really quick break, and when we come back, I want to talk about the draft because this kind of ties into Jordan Poyer a little bit. 
And then we'll get into some Sabres talk and we'll do our starting five. So I'll be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back with Joe Yurden. So kind of tying this into the draft. Now, look, you look at this roster and whether you're a fan of the team or even if you just loosely even follow them, it's pretty obvious that right now, if there's one position on this team that has a hole, so to speak, it's obviously cornerback. I mean, you, you just hit on this. Trey White, he's got to come back 100% before Trey White is Trey White. They only have Dane Jackson right now. They I don't want to say they lost Levi Wallace to Pittsburgh because – I feel like for what he got paid there, which was only $4 million a year, the Bills could have gotten him back. I, I kind of think that they wanted to move on from him. They didn't want to pay their second cornerback uh, $4 million a year. But anyway, it's thin. And then you look at the draft. So you're like, all right, well, I mean, it's pretty damn obvious. The Bills should go get a cornerback with their first pick. The problem could be with the draft, and I'm sure it's like this with other sports too, is the old value in talent versus need. And when you look at the corners, so Sauce Gardner and Derek Stingley are the two top corners. They ain't going to be around at 25. I don't spend two seconds thinking about them. Those are guys you probably have to get up into the top 10 if you even want to think about trading up for them. Uh, Andrew Booth Jr. is another guy, probably almost certainly not going to be there at 25, although uh, Tom McShay had him at 25. I still don't buy it. And then after that, you got another group of corners, and we're, we're not going to sit here and, and you know dissect these players. But my point is, if you have your first pick, and yeah, sure, you need corner, but do you want the fifth or sixth corner off the board as opposed to other positions? What Brandon Bean showed me last year and has me thinking, Joe, is like last year they had Hughes and Addison. They both had one year left on their deal, and they drafted two defensive ends with their first two picks because I think Brandon Bean said, all right, we got to get a better pass rush now, but also more importantly, this is a cost-control premium position and now we got for five and four years under contract. They move on from Hughes and Addison, both of them this year. And they got two young, cheaper players. Vaughn Miller who's not young and not cheap. Mm-hmm. But my point is they drafted for the future as much as the present last year. And I kind of feel like that's Brandon Bean's ammo. So it kind of circling us back to Jordan Poyer, who is 31, is under the last year of his contract. If Kyle Hamilton, who's a safety from Notre Dame, if there were lots, lots of talk of him being a top five pick, I think if he gets around eight to 10 or like that eight to 12 range, I can see the bills going out and trying to get somebody like him. Cause then you're getting Jordan Boyer's big contract off your books. You're getting a younger safety. 
or if not safety, another guy who I've thought of is Tremaine Edmonds, who is maybe in his last year with this team. And there's a guy, there's a linebacker, Devin Lloyd, who's probably projected around that 15, 12 to 20 range, somewhere around that. Let's just say 12 to 20. They might trade up for a guy like that. Don't go assuming that because corner's the biggest need, that that's what the Bills are going to target earliest in the draft. And another thing, one other thing, I don't think Brandon Bean gives a shit that much about cornerback two for whatever reason. I think he feels yeah. like if you got a good enough secondary and a good enough front seven, it don't mean that much because it's been years now, dude. Vontae Davis, Josh Norman, EJ Gaines, Levi Wallace. Mm-hmm. They haven't been putting resources into that position for years. So I'm not quite sold that they're automatically going to take a, a corner early in this draft just because it it's their biggest need on paper. Yeah, the, it, it, I like that you mentioned that they took two DNs last year. And I part of me thinks that that's because they had to make up for AJ Epinesa not really showing out. Sure. You know, even more, they, even more so after this year, because AJ Epinesa really didn't progress at all in your no, uh, you know, so like you draft a couple of, you know, you get Russo, you get, you know, you get those guys, and you're just kind of like, all right, well, Epinesa just kind of kicking back, like just like, hey, listen, buddy, if you don't take a jump, like we've already filled your position, like that's you know, that's, right. that's the way that goes. But um, I, I will say, Bean, he doesn't he doesn't draft on need, you know, like immediate need, anyways. Like he does seem to go you know, a step or two down the road to be like, okay, where is our weakness going to be in, in a couple of years? Because when you're picking at that area, especially late first round, you're the likelihood of getting a guy that's going to make a big impact immediately is not that high. Like, no. I mean, there's, there's guys that can, you know, if they have the right opportunity um, and they've prepared themselves correctly, like they can jump in and have an impact, but like, not, not where you're just kind of like, all right, we've got our guy for the next, you know, eight years here. Like that's, that's pushing it, but um, but if you see an opportunity there, I think you know. I think especially safety, safety and linebacker are those spots um, because you know because Edmonds, you know, I mean, it, you, there's very few guys that are more polarizing, you know, amongst the Bills fans than it seems that Edmonds, where some people really like him, He's other right people like there. they can't sure. get him, you know, get him, get him off the team now. Like it's the you know the, the those those thoughts are all over the map on him, but. Um, but if you're able to find like a middle linebacker, like you can be like, all right, well, all right, Tremaine, there's your replacement. If you don't, if you don't step up your game, it might be a replacement anyways, but like, we'll just see it through the yeah. rest of the season. What's the contract? Um, I mean, what Tremaine, yeah. somebody's going to pay Tremaine big money. What, I don't know if it's going to be Buffalo, but mm-hmm. you know, probably, you get a linebacker. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably I, it's, funny you say that. it's funny you say that because with Jordan Poy, I was like, oh, well, fuck it. Trade him to Jacksonville. They'll pay him all, <laughs> all he, they'll pay him all the money he wants. But yeah, right. it's about, it's about the contract and value for the next three or four years. You you know, you don't want to pay Tremaine Edmonds $14 million a year. Maybe you trade up and you get Devin Lloyd and you pay him a quarter of that over mm-hmm. the next four to five years. Or diddle with the safety if he can do that instead of Jordan Poyer, who's also uh, younger. I just, I don't think the Bills, I don't think fans, I should say, should be sleeping on any position or assume anything. Even running back, Devin Singletary's in the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. Running back's in play at 25. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Offensive guard, Roger Saffold signed one year. He's 33 years old. Offensive guard, I promise you, is in play if the right guy mm-hmm. happens to be there. Assuming that it's going to be – they will address corner, but assuming they're going to use their highest of draft resources on it, I think is a, a mistake. And I bring this up because I didn't think safety would be in play. But now with Drew, with uh, Poyer, and it seems like he ain't going to sign another team-friendly deal. Well, you know what? That's an assumption on my end yeah. based on – 
Drew Rosenhausen based on his wife's Twitter, yeah. <laughs> his wife's Twitter feed with the team friendly deals. But I, I think safety's in play though. I got a I got a curious question because I you know because again I I I watch the Bills. I'm not a fan of the Bills, so right. I, I but I'm curious what's what's your walk away number for Poyer? Like what number? Like what number does he come to you with? And you say nope. That's that. Sorry, later. Three years in anything more than nine or ten million. If it's more than that, if it's three years where I can get out of it after two, and you're going to pay him right around what he's got in now, considering his age, I'd resign him. He's he was an All Pro literally a year ago. So I mean, it's not like you know, it's not like the guy's skills are eroding. Right. Um, but are you talking a four or five year deal? Where he's getting 12, 13 million a year for a guy who's 31 going into this season. No, and then I think you got to move on. But again, you, I don't think he's going to hold out like you said. I mean, it's a possibility, but mm -hmm. I think their strategy is going to be let, let, let's see what he looks like this year. Let's see what happens with the draft. And, uh, and, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. I, I, it's, I, it's very tough for me to see anybody on this team, try, you know, doing something that's going to really upset the room. You know, I agree. I, I think I think everybody on on that team has learned, you know, from last year. You know, things didn't really get to them. They had a great season, um, but there were still distractions. Like it was it was made unnecessarily dramatic at a lot of points, um, and I, I think that you want to avoid that. I know it's very tough to avoid in the NFL in general. Like there's there's drama around every corner. Like that's, that's just the way it goes, but things that can be easily avoided, like that's, that's a little bit, that's a little bit more difficult. Like, I, I think that's a big part of getting a guy like Von Miller in the room. Cause he's, I, I find it very hard to find anybody that would be like, man, I don't like that guy. Like, I mean, if it is, it's got, it's gotta be doing something. It's gotta be, it's gotta do something with like him being kind of like a half celebrity, you know, off the field. Sure. But, um, but I mean, I, I find it very hard to 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 see that there would be guys that around the league that would just be like, I don't want that guy on my team. Like, really, you don't want you don't want one of the best one of the one of the best uh, you know rushers out there on your team. The guy that's been around for for a little bit, like that's that would be crazy. But um, but that that you don't make that kind of move without thinking like, all right, this is this is this is the little bit of an edge that's going to give us to to get to push us into the Super Bowl and maybe win it. I'll tell you, last point on Poyer in the Bills, it will. Talk Sabres for a few. We're going to find out how true it is or how true he is to saying his, you know, priorities for the Bills to win a Super Bowl because what the Bills have done everything you could realistically hope for to try to get themselves over to hum. Signing Von Miller was a very big deal. They upgraded at guard, in my opinion. They got a good tight end, too, in OJ Howard. They've signed a lot of guys. They've made the defense better with Vaughn Miller, the addition of him. Plus, they brought back Shaq, Shaq Lawson, Jordan Phillips. This defense should be better. Tim Settle, I, I like what they've done with defensive line this year. Mm -hmm. That should help Jordan Poyer, you know? And you, he's got to understand there's only so much money to go around right now. We can't give everybody deals. So what if his priority is winning a Super Bowl, we're going to find out. Now, does he need to be necessarily happy about not getting a new deal right now? No. I mean, that would be understandable. But is it going to become a distraction? That's what it comes down to. Is he going to become a distraction to his team? That's what's going to be worth monitoring. I think we'll start to maybe find out a little bit in the next couple of weeks because, again, if they take a safety early in this draft, that means they're getting ready to move on from Jordan Poyer, and that's not a secret. You know, if they don't really address that position, that means they're very open to, uh, again, at the very least, they ain't trading Jordan Poyer if they don't, mm -hmm. if they don't get somebody now. 
right. then we'll see what happens uh, after the season. I want to, because I, again, I didn't have you on last week. This happened a, a week ago, but turning our attention to the Sabres, I wanted the regenerate ceremony was awesome. Mm-hmm. We, we've, we've all seen it by now. And it, it was really cool. It was emotional. I think it tugged at our heartstrings a little bit. The nostalgia factor, just one of the great talents in Buffalo sports history ever, period, on or, mm-hmm. on or off the field. The one little dark cloud for me as I was watching it and that kind of hung over a little bit, and I want to get your take on this, was the fans. When Brian, when, when Duffer was, you know, naming people and then they brought up Terry Bagula or they mentioned him and, and they booed him. Now, to Duffer's credit, too, he kind of went, Bagula's then just kept going without yep. stopping because if he mm-hmm. would have stopped him, the booing would have lasted longer. But, uh... <laughs> What were your thoughts on that? Because for me, and look, and I wanted to talk to you about this because I remember a year ago, every week, how many times did I tell you I fucking hated the Sabres? I loathed the Sabres with every fiber of my being a year ago. On air and off air, it was constant. Air, just like, I hate air. this team. I absolutely <laughs> passed because I did. I hated this team. I hated ownership. I'm still not a fan of the owner, by the way. Mm-hmm. But my, my thought was this, Joe. Wrong place, wrong time. And, uh, but again, how often do you get to voice your displeasure with Terry Bagula? Because you never fucking see him anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, he's never at the arena or he's never announced. He doesn't talk to the media. So fans really don't get that opportunity, but they got that opportunity. And they fucking, they did boom. It just, yeah. I don't know. It felt wrong place, wrong time for me, but maybe I'm wrong. I usually could be wrong. What did you think? I think you're dead wrong. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. I think you're dead wrong. I, this is, I mean, this has been a big arguing point on on <laughs> yeah. Twitter. Like the uh, Sabres diehards and the mafia just do not agree on any, on anything regarding this. You know, it's, it's very strange to see that kind of dichotomy, you know, between people that like both, like fans like both of these teams. It's just, they like one, they watch one more than they, they watch and care more about one than the other. Sure. Um, but people who are who are very much more into the Sabers than they are the Bills, give me a reason why they should applaud him, like an honest to God reason why I they can't. should applaud him. I can't. You know? I, can't. Like, I wish I could. I can't. Like that's the like you know the 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 incorrect points that were made by you know people that are more on the Bills side of things was like, well, you know, he saved the team. Well, no, he didn't. He bought the team. You know, <laughs> you know, Tom Golisano saved the Sabers. Like he kept them from going anywhere you know the league owned the sabers you know the nhl owned the team let's like they did the coyotes you know back in the day and golisano is the one that saved them because he didn't want the team to leave western new york he's the savior of the of the sabers like he made that happen um terry just bought his his favorite team from his childhood because he had the money to be able to do it like that's that's where that is you know and and he's run it like a fan like a super fan who owns a team you know for for the better part of you know what 11 years now. Oh yeah. Right. It, co- it coincides with the playoff drought. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. Why wouldn't you boo the owner? Right. Because they haven't made the, the, the playoffs since he's bought them. Like, I mean, he bought them the year that they made the, the postseason, like the middle yeah. of that season. He doesn't get credit for that one, No, but like every season after that, that's on him. Fair. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, Listen, you never see Terry at the Sabres games because why? Because that that because that happens. Like that's why. Uh, because and he knows he knows he knows damn well that that's gonna happen. Like there's it's unavoidable. But like it's RJ, so you can't not show up. Like you can't not be a part of that. 
Um, now maybe they could have just, you know, stayed up in the, you know, stayed in the box or something like that and just watched from on high. Like that's fine. You know, you know, like, you know, Rick's wife's, you know, watch from, watch from the, you know, from one of the boxes or whatever, like that's fine. Like that, you know, you know, that's that, you know, that's, that's your decision. But like Kim and Terry decided like, no, no, no we're going to be, we're going to be down here and we're, you know, I'm going to, you know, Terry's like, I'm going to, you know, bring RJ up to the podium. It's like, nah, man. Nah, man, like that's, that's, it's not the way to go about it. Like leave, you know, just kind of have an understanding of, of the situation, you know, understand where everything's kind of at with your own relationship yeah, with the team, you know? And, you know, that to me is, is just being like, well, I'm an owner. I don't care like this, you know, I'm going to be a part of this. Like, okay. Like that's your decision. Nobody's going to tell them no. Like, that's, you know, who's going to be the person in the Sabres organization be like, you know what? Guys, just sit this one out. Like nobody's nobody's doing that. Like, right. <laughs> come on, you, you tell me Kevin Adams is gonna t- say like, guys, you know, maybe just you know, just don't this this one time. You know, we'll have a we'll have our own private party for Rick some other time. Maybe Tim Murray would have, and then maybe that's part of the reason why why he ain't working for the Sabers anymore. Man. He might have locked him out of the building, is what he yeah. would have done. He would have been yeah. like, he, he's like, just change the locks for a day. It's fine. They, they 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 don't have to know. Like they'll know, but they don't have to know. But you know, listen, I. Sabres fans have been through a lot of shit. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of shit. Yeah. And a lot of it is the owner is the ownership's fault. Like they've bumbled and fumbled their way through so many things. Like, think of how many executives and coaches they've torn through in 11 years since they owned the team. They bought the team. Darcy was a GM. Lindy was the coach. Well, Lindy was fired. You know, not even a year, you know, like a year after they bought the team, he's gone. Darcy's fired, you know, two, you know, two years later. Okay. You know, they bring in Pat LaFontaine. They, you know, they bring in Ted Nolan. Pat leaves the organization after what, five, four or five months, you know, under weird, you know, un, you know, clandestine circumstances. You know, they, they have Ted Nolan in there to save face basically because the team was, you know, embarrassing. Oh, yeah. Ron Ralston. I forgot about his ignominious tenure after oh, he took God, over. So right. It was a very forgettable time. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, they fired, you know, they fired Lindy. They bring in Ron. They bring, you know, they, Ron has a nice end of the season, you know, the last like 15, 20 game, whatever it was. And then they signed him to a two year extension thinking like, yeah, this will work. This is great. And then they fired him, what, 15 games into the next season? Like, okay. Right. And, you know, then they bring in Ted Nolan to save face because, hey, he got a raw deal the last time around. Like, let's, you know, let's let's make good on this. And Pat LaFine, you know, that was Pat's hire. Like, Pat, that was Pat saying, like, listen, this let's do right by Ted. Let's get him in here. Yeah. And, you know, then, you know, then they hire Murray. Then LaFontaine leaves. So the Murray's the GM with a coach that he didn't bring in. And then he, you know, Nolan's basically set up to be the fall guy for the tank season. Because, you know, he, you know, because he, they knew damn well that if they put no good talent on the ice and kept trading any goalie that got hot, you know, got hot for a week or two. And they literally did. He he literally traded him right away. (laughs) Jonas Enroth played great for like the first two months. Get out. See ya. Trade for Anders Lindback, who was doing terrible in Dallas. And then they bring Lindback comes in and plays great. And they're just like, all right, let's find some other bad goalies. We can't just trade this guy. So, you know, it's, you know, everything that's going, I mean, listen, I could talk for, for three hours straight about all the bad decisions that have happened over time. That's not even getting into the bad player signing. Yeah, that's that's just, that's just management and culture. That's just, that's, that's three years worth of just bullshit that started. <laughs> that's, that's three years. That's not yeah. even getting into the stuff that they blew it with, you know, after drafting Jack and everything that followed after that, like, you know, it, 
Sabres fans have got every damn right to to boo. Like, I mean, like, I mean, what are you gonna do? You get invite Tim Murray and and Darcy and and you know Bottrell out for the RJ ceremony so that they can boo him too. Like, it, there's only so many ways you could you could try to you know find a way to distract from it. But like, the ownership takes the hit on that every time. Like that's yeah. that's on them. You know, Kim's the damn team president. Like, what like, what are you gonna do? Like, you can't. It's inescapable. You got to take that hit. Like that's you got to eat it. And like, you know what, if you don't want to eat it during RJ ceremony, I don't know, find another way to do it, <laughs> you know, right. like find somewhere else where you can be accessible to the fans and have the fans just like air their grievances, you know, make it, you know, make it festivist for the rest of us when it comes to ownership <laughs> and just let, let people air out their grievances and have at it. You know, like that's, that's the thing I get, it, you know, and you know, Bill's fans who just got, who've, who've gotten a little bit wrapped up with, with how, you know, how well th- things have gone the last month for the Sabres are like, wow, Hey, this is some pride. This is good. I like this. And they don't understand what it's been like for Sabres fans. Like they don't, you know, because you know, they're not paying attention to them as close. Cause honestly, why would they, you know, what reason, what reason, if you're a hardcore Bill's fan that casually likes the Sabres, what reason have you had for the last, 10, 11, 12 years to, to want to watch the Sabres. You've had zero reason. They probably watched, you know, Jack's first few games after they got him because they're like, wow, they got this new guy. He's looking pretty good. And then it's like, wow, he looks great. The team stinks. You know, our, our pal Dell made a t-shirt for that. I'm just here to see Jack. Like, you know, <laughs> like what, what else do you want? Like, I mean, that, that's that, that, I mean, that t-shirt alone encapsulates how, how Bill's fans felt about the Sabres. It's like, wow, this team stinks, but I'll go watch this guy. To, you know? to, to, to further your point, um, as people are hopefully listening to this on Friday, uh, Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News put out a tweet that I, I, I thought he was joking, but apparently it's for real. It's been Friday. Today, Friday marks 4,000 days, 4,000 days since the Buffalo Sabres have played in a postseason game. 4,000 mm-hmm. days. Yep. Imagine that before your team plays mm-hmm. in a playoff game. To your point about the booing, do you think that may be part of it too? I got you. Sorry, you said 4,000 days, and the first question of this segment was like, is it fair that the Sabres fans booed the owners? I, I was. Uh, 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 like, I should have just said that. Like, yeah, yes, it's fair. It's completely well, fair. The, the follow up that I was going to have, I was going to assume that you were going to, to say what you said. <laughs> but do you think that may be part of the reason why the fans have so much. Uh, why they love Terry and Kim Bagula so much is because it's, it's one thing to lose, but they've also, it's kind of like they hide. It's like their lack of accessibility over these years. Do you think that further fuels the anger of the fans? Like he's not, he barely, he should, he never has press conferences, it seems. You know, he doesn't address the losing or he, they very rarely do, especially him. Yeah. Do you think that plays into a, a pretty big part of why these fans are, are so anti Pagula, the Sabres fans, at least yeah. for sure. You think let's, so? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's, let's think about the last, you know, the last time I think we had Terry and Kim on the record and it was when they announced that they were going to keep Jason Bottrell and the fans were like, you got to fire this guy. Like he's yeah. terrible. And they said, no, we're keeping him." And the big reason Kim said was, well, we have more information than the fans do. So that's why we're going to do this. So not only are you not doing what the fans wanted, you're talking down to them on top of it. And then you fired him a week later. Like you fired him and cleared out the staff a week later. Like 
okay. Like, I mean, I get it. They, you know, they wanted to keep Bottrell, but they wanted him to, they wanted him to fire like a bunch of his staff. And he's like, hell no, I'm not doing that. Why am I going to, why am I going to keep, you know, doing my job and then fire these guys? Hell no, I'm not doing that. Like to Jason's credit, he didn't do that. You know, that's, Hey, you know, I criticize Bottrell for everything that he's done and he's, he's earned it, but like, it's a pretty stand-up move on his part to just be like, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna be the executioner for for the guys that I brought in. Like, screw that. So you know, like it's it's, but it's that kind of stuff from them where it's it's there's an arrogance that isn't earned when it comes to that. It's like it, it, it's a it's a you know I, I don't know I guess maybe it's like it's a it's a rich person thing where they think money equals intelligence. That ain't it, man. Because <laughs> like that's you know how many how many you know, how many owners have we seen that are just like the absolute worst, uh, you know, in managing their teams and just like, they're just kind of, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Like look around baseball. There's, there's a, there's a bunch of them, you know, look around the NFL, like Shad Khan's got a lot of money, but Jacksonville's terrible. Like, you know, except for that one year that where they, you know, where they made it, what to the AFC title game, like that, that's it. You know, that, that's the kind of stuff where you can't act like that and expect the fans to be like, Oh, well, you know, all's forgiven. Like, no, like no. Sabres fans have they've earned every bit of being able to be mad at owners. Like that's that's what it comes down to. Like because a lot of times the fans have been a hundred percent correct on what should be done, and it isn't done. And then when it is done, eventually it's like, oh right, okay, that was the right move. Gee, I, I'm we're so smart for thinking of it. It's like the fans are just like, yeah, we told you a year ago, we told you two years, you know, we told you forever ago. Like this is what you got to do. Yeah. Uh- I'll say one last thing too. You're right. I mean, look, I, if this was a debate and we were on a stage right now, I would be taking the L. Okay. There's, there's no <laughs> question about that, but I did see a tweet. It was from Salmon transporter. I don't have it on the screen to put up, but mm-hmm. this is one thing I don't agree with. And he says the, the Bagulas killed the Sabres. I agree with that. And he says their revival is to be determined. I agree with that too. But then he says Granado and Adams possibly working out would be absolute dumb luck. That's what I don't buy because, I mean, was it really dumb luck with Bean and McDermott too? I don't buy that theory. You got to give the owner credit. I don't care how many times they fail. It's not dumb luck. I, I just, I don't like that wording because it's like, you never know for when you hire someone, you never know if they're going to work out for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. certain guys, you have a, you know, a higher chance of it working out, but I don't, him having McDermott or um Kevin Adams and, uh, and now Granado is head coach, just like on the football side with being a McDermott. I don't call that shit dumb luck. Get the guy, assuming he's the one. Well, he is the one because even if he didn't think of those guys, he signed off on it. Mm-hmm. As much as you want to bash the Terry and Kim, whether it's the football side or well, not really the football side because they're good. Really about the football right, side. exactly. <laughs> but on the hockey side, let's just say if Adams does turn out to be an amazing GM and, you know, at least seeing a little bit of promise. And Granado turns out to be a really good coach on a team that becomes a good team. I think Terry Bagula deserves some credit for that. I can you can't just call it dumb luck. I mean, that's just that's hating a guy without having any form of objectivity at all, in my opinion, at least. Anyway, let me provide some perspective. Um, I think saying it it's dumb luck is a little harsh. I don't think it's entirely off the mark, though. Um Adams, like the circumstances around them hiring Adams was very questionable. You know, the the last the last season that Bottrell was the GM, Adams was going around traveling with the team and learning 
hands-on like what you know the ins and outs of of what's going on with that because mm -hmm. he was being groomed for the job which is a little weird to do when you got the job the guy on the job right there in front of him like that's you know accidentally training him on the job like that's that's very it's that's not luck that's it's kind of shitty honestly you know especially given how things went it, you know, especially with the, you know, how Boschel's firing went down again, deserved firing, but, <laughs> but if you got the guy that's, that's shadowing you for your, you know, for your job, you know, hanging around for the last like three, four months of the season, like, I don't know, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little weird to me, especially, sure. you know, yeah, yeah. you know, Adam's first task after he was, was hired was to fire all the guys that they wanted Boschel to fire. So like, that's, I mean, that's, uh, it's not great. And Granado, like, listen, that was, he was what Ralph. I think Ralph brought him on as an assistant. Was that Ralph or was it, was it Phil? I think it was Ralph. I don't know. Assistant coaches and coaches are all blending together yeah. over the years here, <laughs> but that was, but Don's been, a, you know, a, you know, a lifetime assistant at the NHL level, you know, you know, he was, he was a guy that, um, did a lot of work with younger players and you know, he's a guy that loves to coach. He's a coach that loves to coach. Lucking into it, I think is looking past some of the reasons why they didn't look very hard for somebody else. You know, they did, you know, they did their casual search, you know, they reached out to a bunch of people that they had reached out to previously before, you know, before they landed on Ralph, you know, going back and just, you know, checking those roads and being like, Hey, any, you know, interested again? Like, you know, I know it's, extra bad from like the last time we talked to you about like interested and you want to do it. Um, and then, you know, you know, having Granado turn out to be a really good guy, a really good fit for this. I think that's an incredible stroke of luck. I don't, I don't know how well recruited that is on their part, because if, if you liked them that much from the start, make him your head coach, you know, right. say, forget Ralph. We don't need Ralph. We got, we got this guy. He's, he's the guy we believe in. You know, and that's where you can you can do things like, you know, it, it, it's kind of PR ish, but like you can you can change the narrative after the fact. You know, sure. Like you can like you can go back. You know, things are good with Don now. You can go back and say like, ah, he was our guy all along. Well, well, he yes, he was, but it's because you didn't really try hard to look for anybody else because you're happy because Granado's not going to command a lot of money, and you're already paying Ralph Kruger money to go away. You're you've paid every coach that you've hired money to go away before their contract was up, you know, fair. Yeah. Like that's, you know, th th that's different than being a McDermott with the bills because, you know, I, I think back to the McDermott circumstances, they, the, the league brought McDermott to the bills front door in 2014. Like, hey, this is the guy you gotta, you gotta bring this guy into 13 or 14. They're like, Hey, this is the guy you should really consider. You should bring him in. And then they, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, maybe we'll do that. And then they bring in Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan blows their doors off with his, you know, his dog and pony show. And they're like, oh, no, never mind. We got our guy now. Like that, again, that was a Pagula hire. Like that's right. That, that's, yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. So like, you know, but like then they made up for it later on. They're like, all right, yeah, we should let's let's retrace our steps. Let's go back to the people we talked to before. And like, OK, yeah, we'll bring that guy in. So like that's I mean, you're you're lucky that he didn't sign somewhere else. You know, he didn't sign up to coach somebody else before that. And you're lucky that he had a connection to a GM that wanted to work with him. Like, you know, that's, you know, that that's having things kind of, that's, that's a happy accident. That's not, that's not luck. That's just, you know, that's having things work out. I don't buy that in this case because this was, it, it's too much about what happened with Bottrell 
you know, transitioning over to Adams was it's very murky time, you know, like the, and it ties in with all the, co you know, the, all the, the nonsense the ownership did with the COVID timing, you know, all the shitty stuff they did with their, you know, employees all through the company, all that stuff. Like everything was done to being able to cut corners and save money to, you know, maintain their lifestyle and keep the boat being built, you know, like it's, it's not, you can't just carve one thing out and be like, yes, it's good because of this, like nothing they do. You can't really do it because everything that's connected around them at that point, especially, you know, with, you know, everything around the pandemic, the start of the pandemic, it's all connected. Like, you know, all their cost cutting measures, all that stuff was all connected because they're like, listen, we got to pare this down. We got to do whatever. Now Adams gets established and to Adam's credit, he's like, okay, here's what, here's what I need for us to be successful. Like let's, cause he's a smart business guy. He gets it. He, you know, he's a smart hockey guy. He's been in the game. So he knows how it works. So he goes and gets Jason Carmanos to be, to be the assistant GM to run Rochester. Great. You know, Stanley cup winner, the whole thing, the whole nine yards, great guy to bring in, has an eye for talent. Great guy to bring in. That's, that's good. They expand the ad analytics department to bring in guys that are really freaking good. Like their analytics department, I will argue is one of the best in the league um, with, you know, with uh, Sam Ventura, Matt Barlow, like this whole crew of guys that they brought in are really, really, really good. Like they are, you know, if you're looking to, you know, to, to find the, the best bang for your buck, these guys will do it. And that's smart to do because they obviously don't want to spend a lot of money on the hockey team anymore. Like, right. okay, fine. But this is like, this is a long belabored way of getting around saying that, uh, that saying it's dumb luck that they, that they, that they got these guys. That's it, a little harsh, but it's not wrong. Okay. Uh, that's fair. Uh, you're right. I mean, I know I, I, I listen, I, I get it. You're, you're more of a bills guy. So, and you, the, the pagoulas have been nothing but good for the bills. I get it. And like a lot of, you know, bills fans understand that, but I kind of, they don't, the they don't understand the view from the saber side of things where it's been so bad. Like this team is the worst team in the league three times, three, four times in, in 11 years that they've owned them. Right. I kind of fall in the middle though. I don't think the pagoulas deserve as much credit as they get for the bills being good. And I, at least before this conversation today, I kind of felt like the Bagulas didn't deserve all the criticism that they get for them being so bad. But you've kind of uh, you've talked me into it, man. So I, I don't have an axe to grind with them either. It's, no, it's just like no, these no, are no. Just it's personal with you. Like, this is just yeah. like the way it's been. Like, yeah, it's you're just, you're not giving us emotional, you know, fan. I'm not saying I was dialogue here. Red Wings fan for crying out loud. Like, you know? <laughs> I want to yeah. save. I want to save. For next week, when it comes to the Sabers, I was going to ask you this week, but I want to talk about this actually next week because it's kind of layered. I want to get your thoughts on on Devin Levi not signing with the Sabers, and I want to mm -hmm. talk a little bit about UPL, just this future. I want to talk about the Sabers goaltending and how you see it playing out over the next couple of years because I'm confused a little bit, and, and maybe you get enlightened me. And again, that's going to be kind of a a layered, textured conversation that we I have. Can, I can give you a quick hitter on Levi. Like, give me a quick like I, I know I've rambled a lot here. Um, the quick hitter on Levi is that he's played one college season. He's a sophomore. Uh, he's played one college year because his freshman year, he, he couldn't play. So he has this, this is his first season in college hockey. He puts up one of the best seasons ever in college. Hockey. Right. He's, he's 20 years old. What do you want to do when you're a 20 year old in college? I know what I want. Uh, like, <laughs> I'm a yeah. old in college. What if you're a 20 year old in college? Who's like the big man on campus. Cause he plays on like the, one sure. of the top sports teams there. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, he's robbed of the Hobie Baker 
like being a Hobie Baker finalist. He's the best goalie in the country. He put up a season better than Ryan Miller's Hobie Baker, which season. right. And he's not, he's not going to Hobie. I, I put that on. That's a giant chip on my shoulder. If I'm him, uh, you know, they, they lose, they, you know, they lose in the tournament on a bad goal by Levi. Would you want to make up for that? I would. True. Yeah, you know, yeah, so like he gets, you know, so he's going to get to play another, you get to be another guy. You'd be in college for another year. Which is great. Um, if he plays as well as he did, or he does better somehow, boy, that really, that really hammers at home. Doesn't it? Like at that point, they have to make you, you have to win the Hobie at that rate. And right. if you got the best goalie in the country, you can go pretty far in the tournament. So, you know, they had, you know, they, they lose in the first round in the tournament this year. That stinks. It can make up for it next year because if he's the best, like that, you know, Northeastern's not, they're not loaded with talent, but like they got some young guys. They're going to be a really young team, but hockey East is pretty weak. So, you know, BU and BC aren't the BU and BC of old, you know, New Hampshire is not the you know, UNH of old. These are Maine. Like, you know, the, the, the new hot teams are, are Lowell and, and Providence and, you know, now, you know, UMass and now Northeastern, like it's a different world, but it, those teams are all going to be a little bit weaker next year. You know, UMass will be weaker. Providence might be a little bit stronger, but like Northeastern, they could, you know, they, they won hockey East this year. Right. You know, they were the best team of the regular season this year. No reason why they can't run it back. You know, there's, there's zero reason why they can't run it back. So why not, why not give it a shot? Like again, he's 20 years old. It's not like Portillo. Portillo is 22 or he's going to be 22 very soon. Like, you know, like it, it's a different, it's a different world. So, you know, I get it. Yeah, I, it makes sense. And like I said, next week, I, w- I want to kind of hit on UPL a little bit more too and kind of tie all three of those guys in together and how you think the future, the immediate future uh, might play out. So the last time we got together and, and did one of these and we did a starting five was on February 25th and we did Will Ferrell movies. And I kind of, you know, I should have just buried this one and not even brought this up again. I could have saved myself a little more humiliation. You didn't lose that bad. I blew, well, oh, you won 61% to 39%. I think 20 points plus is, a, is an ass whooping. Let me recap the draft from February 25th. You took Anchorman, Old School, Elf, Blades of Glory, and Stranger Than Fiction. Which, by the way, I thought that was going to get shit on, and it, and it totally didn't. And I took uh, Step Brothers, Talladega Knights, the other guys, Semi Pro, and Kicking and Screaming. Here's the thing, Joe. Not really sure what much more I could have done. Um, no, I maybe maybe in round two, if I would have picked Old School instead of Talladega Knights, maybe that might have made a couple yeah. point difference. Mm-hmm. But I was definitely uh, you. You did a better job on this one for sure. I can't even. Uh, I can't even cry about conspiracy theorism and all that other <laughs> stuff man this was just a a straight ass woman but like my, I said, my redemption of that is that people love st- the stranger than fiction picks right? like nobody buried it like i was I, like okay i thought I this was now. gonna i thought it was gonna be a tight race in part because you did uh take that i'm like i thought people might shit on that but uh <laughs> they certainly didn't all right so this <laughs> this week is gonna be the first we're gonna do this for three straight uh weeks now we're gonna do sitcoms and we're gonna start this week we're gonna do 90 sitcoms and then and next week we'll do 80s, and then we'll go all the way to uh, the 70s. So th- that's how we'll do it. And uh, I'm looking now. All right, so you had the first because you took Anchorman. Anchorman, that was, that was which by the way, again, I mean, I would have done the same thing. I would have taken that with my first pick too. Okay. I didn't know it was going to perform quite that well as it did. 
It wasn't quite like Sopranos, like any take anything Sopranos close, number though. one. Yes, I mean it was pretty close. It was. But. I thought Step Brothers. I thought some people might have said, "Oh, you could have taken Step Brothers." Uh, I got a school, lot of people telling me that. Anyway, but I got uh, a lot of people saying, "Like, why didn't you take Step Brothers?" And I was like, "I, you know, I could have, right? But I didn't, so I took well, Anchorman." <laughs> here, here, here will be the rules for for the sitcoms this week with the nineties. Only thing I want to say is this. Because it could always be a technicality. Mm. Like, this is sitcoms and not drama. But let's just say it was 90 shows. You could technically take The Sopranos because I believe it started in, like, 99. You know, so mm. technically you'd be right. But I want to do this, like, fair. Let's say that the show had to at least be on for parts of three seasons in the 90s for it to count. And I'll give you a couple that, that would disqualify. And, hope, and I actually, I do hope you would have drafted these. I'm just telling you about this for the first time now. <laughs> Hopefully this fucks up your mind. <laughs> Shows like Will and Grace and, and King of Queens, they all premiered in late 98. So they only had like one or two seasons in the 90s. So I really don't want to count them. They got to be at some point of uh, the 90s. Now you I go first. You didn't kill my, you didn't kill my uh, draft board. There, all right. Well, so you know. I'll, I I don't again. You and I have not talked about any of these beforehand, so I can't begin to know if uh, what you're thinking. But I will. All I know say is I, I know there's one that you won't pick. There's one I won't pick. Yeah, I know it. I don't. I maybe know maybe it. you maybe you've given up on that now. I don't know. I oh, guess no, we'll no, see. No. I guess we'll see. There is Who's one your number one. Pick? There is there is one I won't pick. You're damn right about okay. that. And if you pick it, then we'll discuss it. Look, I no mysteries here. It has to be Seinfeld for yeah. me. Uh, there's, I think, to be fair, I think there's two or three shows from the 90s that are at least worthy of consideration. Mm -hmm. But, uh, again, I'm not going to overthink this here. And I'm going to say what I always say when it comes to, to uh, Seinfeld is that I uh, I did not love the show as much when it was on in the 90s. I fell mm -hmm. in love with the show in syndication in later years is when I really started enjoying because I didn't think Jerry Seinfeld was all that funny. It was the other people on the show that I really enjoyed. And I also hated his little stand-up bits in the earlier seasons anyway, at the beginning and the end of every show. I didn't like that a lot. But I will tell you this. I do have a, uh, a and I'm using air quotes, a cable service that I subscribe to, which basically means I can watch literally anything. And one of the stations is they have like a bunch of 24-7 stations where the same show runs over and over and on the loop. And every night when I go to bed, now I watch Seinfeld when I lay in bed. So I pretty much watch Seinfeld literally every night. I don't, you know, sometimes I go right to sleep, but I always have it out when I go to sleep every night. But anyway, yeah, Seinfeld for me is a relatively uh, easy choice. Now you're going to be on the clock and you're going to have two. Okay. So I I think uh, this, is, I, I love like 90, like this is my wheelhouse, you know, like 90 stuff. Like this is when I was watching the most TV. Mm -hmm. really because you know that's 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 the way it goes but um when it comes to when it comes to the comedies though i'm very surprised that i mean you took seinfeld for me so i can't take that but my first choice is a spinoff it's frazier yeah frazier oh my god what like what a freaking show frazier was like you know not in a, you know kelsey Grammer's frazier was always great but david hyde pierce's niles coming in there just like you know um uh, who I forget who played the old man. Um, I can't remember his name either. I know you're talking about, I'm picturing it as you're saying it. Yeah. But you know, you've got, you know, with Roz and, and the whole group there, like that was just such a great show and it, it was. was done so well. Uh, you know, and like spinoffs don't usually do that great, you know, for, you know, 
probably for good reason because you're just trying to like cape on you know ride the ride the coattails of of the right the yeah, yeah, show, yeah but fraser did not do that fraser was fraser was freaking great um i might be i might be jumping i might be jumping ahead on this one uh and i might be doing it because i think i'm gonna steal one from you which is just a bonus but it's the fresh prince of bel-air <laughs> that's it that's that but like that's one that like i loved at the time and then like tbs would show it like non-stop in mornings like constantly and i would be like all right well i'm good for the next however long this is on for <laughs> um so yeah it's, but like it was just so good and you know like will smith like the entire cast was great even uh, except when they switched aunt vibs when they cha- when right, aunt right, right, came right. in it was just like all right no 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 like that that was like that but that's basically saying like yeah we know this is over with but we got to keep it going but um but yeah like i mean it's an unhateable show and it was done it was done so well and so smart it uh, i got thoughts on both your picks because i'm going to tell you in all honesty right now you just picked my two and three no kidding these were my top three in order too. in order too. actually not quite in order because i had fresh prince two and fraser three but anyway I was apprehensive about Frasier when it first came on in part. I, for, I forgot the, the wife's name for, that was on chairs when she wasn't going to be married to him anymore. Oh, uh, I was apprehensive about that. I can't uh, Lilith. Lilith. Yeah. yeah I was, drawing a play. I was apprehensive crowd. because of that, but yeah, man, that show was really, really good. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, uh, man, look, I've come to appreciate the comedy. I've come to appreciate that show a lot more as I've gotten older Cause it was always funny and it was always good for some gags and some laughs and you know, um, the way uncle Phil always treated Jazzy Jeff. I was just, it was fucking funny. <laughs> Carl, there was so many funny things about that show, but what I really appreciated as I got older was a lot of the shows brought out a lot of emotion. There were a lot of serious, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of serious tones. Sometimes they were at the forefront. Sometimes they were underlining serious tones but there were some really tender moments or some really serious moments it was educational and informative in a way as well so i really come to appreciate that show and i don't give a shit what's going on right now will smith that doesn't take away from the fact that that was you know one of the all-time great sitcoms man it it really truly was so Mm -hmm. those are two really good picks I'm uh this is the thing. <laughs> this is easy we, for you. You can just keep doing going down your list now. No, well, I could, but here's the problem. <laughs> After the first three, for me, mm-hmm. it falls off so oh. much. And I'm probably gonna get laughed at this one big time. And I don't give a shit because I have a stay true. I'm in one of those staying true to my list kind of modes right now mm-hmm. today. But uh full house. <laughs> as corny and cheesy yeah. as that was, I was a big full house fan. It was on for eight seasons, nearly 200 yeah. episodes. Um I, I liked Bob Saget, like John Stamos. Uh, I liked everyone on that show except whoever it was that played Kimmy Gibbler. I hated Kimmy Gibbler, but uh, she was supposed Rebecca, to be annoying. <laughs> but she did a good job of it. Uh, Rebecca, Lori Laughlin. Oh my God, she was so hot on that show. But yeah, Aunt Becky. Everybody and, loved Aunt yeah, Becky. Yeah, I liked I liked that show a lot. And again, not to the extent that the Fresh Prince did, but it kind of had some life messages in the show. Little sneaky ones. Again, not no. I'm not trying to compare the substance of that compared to the fresh prince but in its own way it was pretty good and then another show and i don't know how popular this one is but for me personally i really liked it a lot and that's uh spin city i was a huge 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 michael j fox fan from family ties in the Mm -hmm. 80s which might be a spoiler for next week's episode (laughs) to uh 
you know, to the Back to the Future movies. He was one mm-hmm. of the biggest stars, and I, and I really liked him a lot. And uh, I just, I, it was, it was a, a funny, like, fi- fictionist um, version of the mayor's office in New York City, man. Uh, yeah. Mayor Randall Winston. He he was great, but it was a good cast. And uh, again, you know, not, not like necessarily real huge stars, but guys that you've and guys and girls you've seen on a bunch of other shows uh, since then. But yeah, I was a big Michael J. Fox fan. So yeah, man, I'm gonna go with Spin City. I don't know how that'll play out with with folks, but whatever. I like that. Like that. Spin City's a great call. Like that yeah. was it was an underappreciated show of yeah. of the time. I in my mind, anyways. But like. Yeah, I, I can't hate on that. I, I can't hate on that at all. Now, my, my next two picks are going to be, they're kind of polar opposite, I guess, you know, in a way, but also extremely similar in another way. Um, because I'm going to go with, and I, I've talked this up so many other times in the past about the show, but Roseanne. Um, Roseanne was so well done and so good. And I don't care about, you know, when they brought it back in the last few years, like that, that doesn't right. count. That's, that's not about that. Right. Um, but like that show, holy smokes, man. Like you didn't, you didn't really have shows about like lower middle-class families on TV, like, you know, especially sitcoms. Like you didn't really have that. Mm-hmm. And that was definitely one of those. And they pushed boundaries constantly. On A that lot. Show. Like, yeah. They, you know, I don't know if that was just because Roseanne loved to push buttons or about pretty sure that's probably why but I'm sorry um, <laughs> but like when you got John Goodman as as Dan I mean John Goodman's an all-timer you know in everything like that yeah. that he's just so good and he was so great as Dan like he's just you know if if you had a dad like Dan you were probably equal parts you know laughing all the time or and really intimidated because <laughs> because the episodes were like if you got on Dan's bad side it was like uh-uh, nope Nope, don't want any part of that's like angering a giant bear. Like you didn't want to deal with that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Roseanne. Oh my god, Roseanne has, was so good, and it was such a fun. It was such a funny show too. Um, the the other one, the next one I'm going with here was really controversial at the time. Watching it back now, it would probably still not be like back in the day. You'd be like, oh, well, I mean, just in general now, you'd be like, oh, you probably couldn't make a show like that now. Well, yeah, probably not. But for different reasons now, now than probably in the past, uh, Married with Children. Oh, okay, yeah, that's um, eligible. Good show. You're that, well, you're that right. was like that show put like Fox Network kind of on the on the map a little bit. I mean that well, The Simpsons did that, but um, but like Married with Children though was like so controversial because they they because they just did a bunch of like you know kind of half raunchy jokes and you know dumb stuff, but like. You know, Ed O'Neill and Katie Seagal and uh Christina Applegate, like Jesus. Like that's that's a that's a I love it's her. like a home run crew right there. Like that they were they were all so good. And then stupid Bud, like Bud was just such a was just such an idiot through every episode. You're just like, all right, whatever, like that's fine. And then the, you know, they get the crazy neighbors and like everything is like, you know, doing lots of different, you know, different theme sort of stuff. And you know, you know, it was it was definitely more a lowbrow comedy, but like looking back it's kind of smart it is and it's you're kind right. of smart like it's some of it like now like there's a lot of jokes you couldn't get away with now i agree i but, agree like, for the most part though that was a really damn funny show i didn't realize it that it was so entrenched in the 90s because i'm looking because i wanted to disqualify felt like you know? an 80s show didn't yeah, it yeah i wanted to yeah. say fuck this this is bullshit <laughs> and you shouldn't be able to pick it but it ran all the way to 1997 so yeah. god damn it 
that kind of makes me mad. Roseanne, Roseanne was a show <laughs> that I thought was trashy at first, but and then it really grew on me, and I really mm-hmm. again came to appreciate it a lot. It was funny, and it dealt with a lot of shit too. I think that All was right. a show that got better in syndication because you got to watch it, you know, yeah. easier, more re- you know, more regularly, and like. Then you're, you know, at that, you know, at that time you're just like, you know, it's, it comes out at like four in the afternoon. You're just like, all right, whatever. Like I'll watch this. And you're just like, wow, this is actually really funny. As opposed to like carving out time at like eight or nine at night. And you're just like, ah, I'd rather be doing anything else. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent. God damn it. I'm, I'm mad about Mary with children. <laughs> Mary with children could be eligible. It's one of those shows that could also be eligible for the eighties too. That'd be a potential yeah, spoiler. It, it does it was, fit. Like it was, it, it, it started it, 87, it, right? It yeah. Aired, yeah. It aired three seasons in the eighties. So. Maybe that'll be one that we hear about twice. Uh, might steal it from me next week. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I got two more. <laughs> one of these is easy. Okay. For me anyway, at mm-hmm. least. Uh, so my fourth pick, I'm going to go with uh, Family Matters. Nice. Um, it was kind of a lighter version of, of Fresh Prince in a way. I remember it being on Friday nights on ABC. I used to like watching it. There's a fun fact about the show. And again, it was nothing, uh, on the greatest show ever, but mm-hmm. it, it was cool, man. And, uh, I like Steven and Stefan too. That, that, that was pretty cool. But here's a fun fact you might not have known about the show. And I didn't know until I was doing a little bit of research and, and looking these up because unlike you, I actually take this series and I try to win. Whereas you <laughs> just happen to keep stumble upon winning, which by the way, you are 26 and 12 in these. So you more than two to one on me and winning these. But here's a fun fact. This is the su- second longest running uh, U.S. sitcom with a predominantly black cast. Behind only the Jeffersons. Wow. So that show was on for a long time. Nine seasons, 215 episodes. I never wow. realized it was on for that long. A TGIF that uh, schedule. Like Full House yeah. like made that made that be a thing. And then Family mm-hmm. Matters like jumped right in and owned it too. TGIF on Friday was probably the second coolest block of programming after Thursday NBC must-see TV during yeah. the, the comedy era. All right, now this is where I'm stuck here on on the last one, and God, okay. I hope because what I want to say is so fucking corny. I know it's corny, but I can't help myself. It's just corny. Um, well, <laughs> do you have any hesitation? You probably shouldn't pick it. I'm 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 uh, I'm gonna pick it. Boy Meets World. Okay, seven seasons, 158 episodes. Corey Topanga. I, I'm not going to say anything else be, beyond that. So there, there you go. I'm I'm going with Mr. Boy Feeney? Meets World. Mr. Feeney was great. He was the voice of Kid. Mr. Feeney was great. Yes. How do I not include him when I'm trying to talk this up? But I don't know how that might, that might play out really bad for me. I don't know. Maybe it will play good though, because again, Corey and Topanga. That's one of the really cool uh, teenage romances. Yeah. Of all time. I saved the last pick for you. I'll tell you afterwards if you don't pick it who I was really torn on. Okay. Uh, my last pick is good. Is one that was unfortunately cut short uh, for reasons not having to do with the show. Uh, but it's News Radio. Great show. New, uh, Phil Hartman on News Radio was yeah. like just so, so, so good. And you, know, you had him. You had Steven Root. Like Andy Dick. Like, all right, whatever. You know, whatever. Like Andy Dick was not usual Andy Dick just being annoying in that whole show. But like he was actually he was actually pretty fun. But man, like that was that was a show I wish had a lot could have had a longer run. They tried, you know, after Hartman was murdered. Like they tried. Right. John Lovitz just he wasn't bringing it. Like that I mean it, that, it. that show also had Joe Rogan in it for crying out loud. Like that's yeah. how did how did that guy end up in a sock in a sitcom to start his career? It's crazy. Right. But, I agree. Um, but yeah, but news radio man, I 
that was a show that made that I when I got into it and it was right before Hartman was killed and I was just like oh why like you, know, you say why for uh, so many reasons because he was so funny and he seemed like just such an affable person and all that and then you know he he, get, he gets like this sitcom and then you're just like all right he's gonna kill it on this and he did and then you know things happened but like but that show man like that was that was such a funny show oh dave foley how do i forget dave foley yeah for god's sake really uh, kids, kids in the hall man like you know like so good it was so good and like it gets it gets forgotten about it's almost which, like a cult classic yeah i mean it's, i mean it was only one of what four years four yeah. seasons something like that like yeah the uh, uh so good the show that i was torn on that i didn't end up picking and, and neither did you i almost picked third rock from the sun i really I kind of okay. like that show with John uh, John Lithgow a lot. That was good. Uh, a couple other ones that neither of us was that, that I had. was that bulk of the nineties. Third Rock, ninety six to two thousand one. Wow, I would have yeah. told. I would have totally thought that was a two thousands one. But yeah, yeah. It was, wow. it was, yeah, it ran from ninety six to two thousand one. Six seasons. Um, Saved by the Bell is one that <laughs> yeah. I at least flirted with. Uh, yeah. Everybody loves Raymond, which again is one of those shows that you could yeah. pick in the night or in the nineties or the two thousands because it was, mm -hmm. it ran from ninety six to two thousand five. I wasn't a fan of Ray Romano though, as much as as everybody else. Brad Garrett was the star of that show for me, yeah. anyway. Um, Martin, that was, a re that was a really good cast though. It was a good cast. That was a that was an excellent cast. It, it was a good cast. Martin's another show that uh Martin deserves consideration. Yeah. And then there's one show I'm surprised neither of us picked it. But Home Improvement, just because of its sheer popularity. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that show though, so I would have been I, not staying true to myself. I I was for a bit, but like I don't know. It's like I aged out of it, or so. I yeah. don't know if it's like aged out of it is even the right way. It was just kind of like the the, the bits got kind of. Stale, you know, tired, stale. Yeah, yeah stale. Yeah, I think yeah, stale is yeah. the right word. Uh, Pat, there's seems to be one show that we've we've both skipped here. Uh, what's that? I'm looking at the top, like the top shows of the 90s. And oh, what's it? Friends. Have you heard of the show Friends? I've heard of it. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know how we, I don't know. It seems to be at the top of everybody's list here, but like, I, it, we, neither of us picked it. That's weird. I, we're gonna get a lot of shit for it. You do know <laughs> that, right? I'm of course. Right now. I could have been like, I'm not voting for either of you. Your five, my five, <laughs> your five, every honorable mention I just said, I'd pick every single last one of them before friends. I just never liked that show. And I know, I don't know how much shit you catch for it. I, I catch a lot of shit for it. Yeah. I'll never pick friends as a category. I do like the theme song though. I'm yeah. going to admit that, that I do like the theme song and I love Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I just, I hated that show with such a deep. I, I toyed very much with picking friends with the last pick just to be that guy, just to be like want a to total pull. prick. Oh, I mean, you, you I, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, very what? well might win the poll anyway, but if, if I lose this poll, because people say like, why'd you pick news radio? You could have picked friends. I'd be like, you know what? I'll eat the L I'll eat the <laughs> L like, like steak. Like it'll be delicious. I pick boys, boy means world over friends. So <laughs> we're both trying to throw this pat. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Let me recap. Let me recap this poll here. So, all right. So I selected, Seinfeld, Full House, Spin City, Family Matters, Boy Meets World. Joe selects Frasier, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Roseanne, Married with Children, and News Radio. I, the only thing I will comment, if you're watching or listening, if you like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, vote for it. If you don't like it, don't vote for it. Just don't be petty because, first of all, yeah. Will Smith's only one character in an amazing cast, and it was a great show. I just I could see a couple of people because of what recently happened with Chris oh Rock and God. shit like that. 
that's stupid and petty. You don't don't, don't don't be that guy or that girl out there, man. I'm gonna find every roll eyes gift to send it people that, that <laughs> say that to me and just be like okay all right yep you said your piece yep all right so this will be like i said this, this will be on twitter um either check mine or joe at joe yurden um right around noonish this polls up it's up all weekend so vote for your favorite of course check out maintenance day podcast joe and lance drop it every monday it's been really really good Thanks, man. It's good to have you back, man. Again, it really sucks all the circumstances that have went down, and I feel awful for you, man, but it's good. Selfishly, I'm not going to lie. Selfishly, it's good to have you back here. Not just for the podcast, but just to to look at you and have conversations, too, man. It, it feels good. So I appreciate you, man. You know I love you, man. Thanks for being back, and uh, yeah, that's all I got for you, buddy. <laughs> it's good to be back. All right. Talk to you soon, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.